0: All right, let's learn Parsha's Va'era. What I like, I'd like to share uh, this afternoon as we learn together the opening section of our Parsha, which is really... We're going to be on page 318, 318, beginning of the parasha. Um The dialogue between Hashem and Moshe, we're in the middle of one of the most significant and important dialogues in this entire story of Yitzias Mitzrayim. We're going to have to go back a few psukim to the end of Parsha Shmos to put it in context as we are literally in the middle of the story. So let's set us up and then we'll read inside. Where we're up to is Moshe has met Hashem at the burning bush. That was in last week's parsha. Moshe spends a week there, according to Chazal, having a long dialogue between himself and Hashem. Hashem says, Moshe, you're the guy. You're going to go down to Mitzrayim, you're going to redeem my children. And Moshe keeps hemming and hawing, it's not for me, maybe send my brother, I don't really speak very clearly, I'm sure you can come up with somebody better than me, until Hashem finally gets angry and says, Moshe, you're the guy I've chosen, you're going to do this. Moshe asks permission from his father-in-law, Yisro, to go down. He comes down. He meets up with the people. The people are all excited to see him. He uses a secret code word, pakod, yivkod, Hashem, Hashem has surely remind, remembered you, and he'll redeem you. It was the same words that Yaakov had used and Yosef had used before they died. And everything is going great. And then, at the end of last week's parasha, Moshe comes to Paro. And things don't go so great. As soon as he shows up in Paro's palace... Paro says, what's this business? I don't know, this Hashem. In fact, it seems to me like the people must be bored that they're having all these ideas and thoughts of redemption. We're going to make them work harder. And so he takes away their, their straw, their ability to make the bricks, but does not take away the amount that they need to produce. And so things get from worse to even worse for the Jewish people. And at the end of last week's Parsha... At the end of last week's parsha, the people run into Moshe and Aaron as they're on their way out of the palace. And the Torah describes in very strong language that the people are fuming. They are angry with Moshe and with Aaron. And they say, since you've come here, everything has gotten worse for us. You've made our very appearance in the eyes of the Egyptians. They want to kill us. I-, I wish you wouldn't have come. And Moshe, at the end of last week's Pasha, then turns to Hashem. If you want to look at it inside, page 316, just flip back one page. Uh Vayosha page of Pasuk Chof Beis, the last three Psukim in the parish of Ayosha of Moshe el Hashem Vayomar. Moshe then returns to Hashem and says, "Adoshem." he says, Hashem, Loma Haryosah, why have you done such evil to this people? Why have you sent me here? It's a strong questioning words for Moshe, which is what we're going to discuss today as the story continues. And then Moshe says, Beside, why did you send me? From the moment I began to speak to Paro in your name, Moshe says, You've done more evil. It's been worse for these people. You didn't save anyone. Very strong words. I showed up in your name, it got worse, and you didn't save anyone. Now, I think we mentioned this last week. But I'll mention it again because the, everything that happens in these partios are the stories of redemption. These are the way that things are going to go for us always. It gets worse before it gets better. It's such an important component of what the story, the Torah is teaching us. Moshe the Savior. Redemption has begun. He came, but not so fast. gets worse before there's any semblance of an improvement. To the degree that the people say, we wish you wouldn't have come. To the degree that Moshe says to Hashem, why did you send me? You haven't saved anyone, and it's only gotten worse. Vayomer Hashem, last Pesach and last week's parashah, Vayomer Hashem, El Moshe, taught Tira. And now you'll see. Asher re'eser le'paro, what I'm going to do to paro, ki chazaka yishalchem, he's going to send them out. Mu he's going to he's going to drive them out. You're going to see, you're saying it hasn't happened yet. Just you wait. It's going to happen so fast. Power is going to drive them out before they're even ready. But there's a process. There's a process. And we're not ready yet. It's going to get worse. But now you're going to see. That's how the parsha ended last week. Really nobody should have been able to sleep for the last couple of nights because then you end, you end on a cliffhanger like this where Hashem says, now you're going to see. So it's like, okay, we're, we're, why are you stopping laning? You can't stop right here. Okay, you have to wait a week. That's the way it goes. Okay, with that, Let's take a look at the middle. So we're literally in the middle of a conversation. Hashem just said to Moshe, after Moshe challenged, Moshe questions, Moshe says, why did you send me? Hashem says, now nah, you're going to see. And then our parsha is a continuation of this conversation. Let's take a look. Page 318. Elohim El Moshe. Hashem says to Moshe, now which name of Hashem is used here? Elohim Which is not the normal name that we've used just in the previous, just a a, a moment ago. We said, Vayomar Hashem, El Moshe. What is the name Elohim, of all the different names of Hashem, what does that name suggest? Din, judgment, harshness. Rashi points out, the conversation has become Moshe. Hashem speaks to Moshe with a little bit of an edge of judgment to Moshe, saying, You're challenging me. You're saying, why did I send you? That you don't see things? You don't see... You know, there's a you, you don't have the big picture, so Hashem speaks, um in uh, in a way that re- relates His disapproval of the way that Moshe challenged Hashem when things didn't go the way Moshe thought they should go. And this we for sure I think we spoke about last week. We're going to talk about like this is the story of redemption. Like we think we have the vision, and it doesn't always go the way that we think it is. Moshe challenges Hashem, and Hashem speaks with him harshly. love. Ani Hashem. So, V'yidaber Elohim, Hashem speaking with the name of judgment, speaks to Moshe, and he says to him, Ani Hashem, using the name, what we call the Shem Havoya, the name of creation, the Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the He, which is the name, of course, that we never pronounce. When we see that name, we always pronounce it as Ado and then no, that's how we pronounce that name. We don't pronounce it the way that it's spoken. But that's the name of Hashem of creation. We're going to speak a lot about this in a moment. Let's just see a few psukh and then we're going to go back to this. What's so the change between Vayidaber and Vayomer? Vayidaber is, is a harsher, a harsher language. language. Yes, Vay- that's rough. exactly right. Vayidaber Elohim is a harsh language. Dibur is always a kashos, is with, with uh, strength. And Vayomer, Vayomer is always a softer a softer way of uh, speaking. Yes. Vo'eira el Avraham, el Yitzchok, vel Yaakov, be'kel Shaddai. Says Hashem to Moshe, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, using the name of the Yod and the Hei and the Vav and, the and he says, I appeared to Avram Yitzchok, and Yaakov in the past, I appeared to them with a different name. I did not appear to them with the name, what we call again, the Shem Havaya, the Yod and the Hei and the Vav and the Hay. I appeared to them with the name Kel Shaddai, with a different name. Ushmi Hashem Lahem, but this name, the name of Hashem that I just said to you, I never appeared to them with that name. Rashi explains what's going on with these the names and the different names, what, what what's he referring to? So Rashi explains to us that the name, Ani Hashem, the Yod in the Hay and the Hei the Vav the is Ne'emon Leshalim Schar Tov. I'm a trustworthy. It's the name that connotes, I'm trustworthy to repay that which I promised. I promised reward, and it's a name that it expresses, you can trust me to pay back. The name, Kel Shakai, which Hashem appeared to the Avram, Ayiz Yaakov. Rashi explains, I appeared to them and I made a lot of promises to them, but I never fulfilled those promises. I promised to them the land of Israel. I promised to them children as numerous as the stars and the sand and the dust of the earth. I made big promises to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And they did not live to see the fulfillment of those promises. And therefore the name that I used when I revealed myself to them in making those promises was the name of Shekh. I was a certain name. We'll leave aside for today's purposes why that specific name. But the name of the Yud and the Hay and the Vav and the Hay. That name I never revealed to them because they never saw me in fulfillment of my word. So they got promises from me, but they never saw it fulfilled. But now Hashem is saying to Moshe, "Now is the time. Now is the moment. Here in Mitzrayim and all the servitude, you're going to see my great hand. You're going to see them be taken out. We're going to. Originally the plan was right after that we're going to go to Eretz Now is where it's going to happen." in which you will actually see the fulfillment. So to the Avos, I did not not appear with this, but to you now, Moshe, you are going to see So Moshe is being told this, whereas he's complaining and he's saying, where's the fulfillment? You sent me, didn't happen. Hashem says, I know, this is part of a long story. I also made promises years ago to Avram Yitzchakim, they never saw it either, but now... Now my name Hashem, the Ani Hashem, is about to reveal itself and it's going to be fulfilled. I, I, I want to take a look at the rest of the psukim, because this is a very famous uh, series of psukim. These are where the four languages of redemption come from these psukim, where we get our four cups of wine on Pesach time. But let's just take a look at this idea for a second, because it's going to come from a couple of different places. The Maral addresses, why, why is this name, the Yud and the Hei and the what? why does that reflect this expression of I'm going to fulfill my word more than just making promises. There's a couple of very fundamental ideas. Number one, he says, if you're into gematria, let's, uh, we'll, let's we'll, we'll sharpen our math skills. Because You thought you came to learn a little bit of we'll, Chumash, we'll review some math. What is the gematria of the name of Hashem, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He? How many is that? Yud, He, and then Vav, He, close. 26, actually 26. 26 is a big number in Jewish uh, thought because it's the number of the gematria of the yud and the Hay and the Vav and the Hay. The way that we pronounce that name is Ado and then Nay. That is an Aleph Dalet is five. Nun is 50, 55. And yud 10 is 65. 65 from the way that we pronounce the name and 26, 65 and 26 91 is 91. 91 is also the gematria of the word Amen. Amen is an Aleph is 1, Mem is 40, and Nun 50 91. So Amen is the same as the name of Hashem together with the way that it's written and the way that it's spelled. What's the significance of Amen? Amen is always the word of Kelmelech ne'eman, who's trustworthy, truth is all embodied in that word Amen, so that the name of Hashem. And the way that we say it or the way that it's pronounced reflects a truth of an amen, to be trustworthy. But that's just a gematria. In, in meaning, he says, is as follows. It's a very beautiful idea. Why is it when someone makes a promise to us that we're like, okay, that's nice that you made a promise, but I don't know that you'll ever fulfill it? What, what creates the doubt that we have whether or not a promise will ever be fulfilled? So two things, really. One, People are people. And, you know Who says maybe you will, maybe you won't come through. And the reason why I have to be worried about the fact that you won't come through is because there is a time lapse between when you make the promise and, and when it meeting needs meeting to be fulfilled. fulfilled, sometimes on purpose. Like if I make you a promise, I'll pay you back in five years. Okay, I, I'm not, I have no claims against you for five years, but I've got to wait five years to see whether or not you'll actually do it. You commit, I'll take out the garbage, I'm just in the middle of something. Okay. I I just have to wait and see. Maybe it's only a few moments, but I have to wait and see. Will you do it? One of the meanings, the significant meanings of the name of Hashem, the Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the Hei, is Hayah, Hoveh, V'yihiyah. He He was, he is, and he will be. That concept that Hashem was, is, and will be reflects the truth that the idea of time is a human construct, meaning Human being created beings, like us, live through time linearly. Like we live in this moment right now, and then we get to the next moment, and then we get to the next moment. We can't fast forward beyond, it just it doesn't work. If you ever tried to like get to that vacation a little bit earlier, it doesn't work. You just, you gotta go there. And if you ever try to go backwards in time, to like retake those words back, I didn't mean to say that, or I wish I would've done it. Can't do that. We're, we're stuck in time. One moment after another, after another. No way to move it faster. No way to move it slower. It's just the reality of life, which we all are used to and accept. As much as we would like to change it, we can't. Hayo <laughs> vevihiye reflects that Hashem is not bound by that construct of time in which we just go one step at a time. But was, is, and will be all at the same time, and can move back and forth between. It's it's all the same. I imagine this was probably a harder concept to understand before the advent of technology and the idea that we have uh, movies, films, videos that we could just you know slide with a slide of a finger. You can go to the end. You can go back to the beginning. You could, do, and there's there's no concept of like the olden days when you're watching a movie and it was like on television. Like uh, if you missed it, like you're stuck. Like you you couldn't go back. You couldn't make it forward. Like that world is gone. It's all in our hands to do whenever we want. Oh, I want to see that part again. I can go back. You want to edit it back? I can edit. You want to go forward? There's no issue with that. So it's a—it's not a perfect analogy, of course. But in Hashem's world, it's all in front of him. He knows what's going to be, what was, and, and it's all. So when Hashem makes a promise, the ability to fulfill it is a reflection of this name—the name of Havaya, the Yud and the Hei of which reflects Hayahoveviya is I can fulfill my promises. Humans make promises, and we got to wait and see. Are you still going to be around when it's due? Will you have the means to fulfill it? Will you have the desire to fulfill it? I don't know. We make a promise. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Maybe you won't have the money. Maybe you want to. Maybe you have the money you don't want to. Maybe you won't be around in five years. So we don't know. person makes a promise, we take them at their word, but who knows? She makes a promise, so the word that reflects you can trust me to pay to fulfill my word is this name of Hashem HaYehovah v- yeah. the On that, the moral then adds one last point, which is, the name reflects a completion in the sense that no one could have a claim, you use the language of barrier, no created element, has a taina, a complaint, or a question on anything that Hashem is doing. Meaning, in the world we live in right now, we have lots of questions, lots of them. Things happen in life, and we don't understand, and it doesn't make sense. And we have, whether or not we express it or not, which we try not to, we have like, I don't understand, how, how, how could you allow this? How could you do this? What do you want? We have, we have untied ends, if that's the right way, right? There ends, we just don't get it. We live in a sliver, of world history, of Jewish history, a sliver are our 60, 70, 80, 120 years. It's a small little sliver. And so we think that in the years that we have understanding from the years, like we could acknowledge like even when we were 20, we didn't understand anything. And so for the few years that we have a grasp of life, we're like, I don't understand. So Hashem is sitting up there from his perch and saying like, that's very cute that you, don't, that you have questions and you don't understand. You haven't, you haven't been around enough to even be allowed to question. You, you, you had your little, you didn't, you didn't see this, you don't know where we're going. It's like watching literally 30 seconds of a movie and saying, this doesn't make any sense. So the person sitting next to you would be there from the beginning, would be like, what are you talking about? You don't even know who these characters are. But, we, but yet, in our sliver that we live through, we have we have complaints, we have questions, we have things that we don't understand. In the end, It'll be clear, but not yet. That's not, that's not the world we live in. We don't live in a world of clarity. So, you know the word ha- olam the word olam that we live in, the shorish of that word ayin, lamid mem, means in Hebrew, anybody know? elam Secretive. Secretive. or hidden. <laughs> elam means something which is hidden. The world is a world in which Hashem's presence is hidden, and therefore the workings of the world are, are hidden from us. So the so moral says, this name of Havaya, the name of the Yud and the Hei and the Vav and the Hei, Haya Hovaviyah, is the name that I will pay everyone back. And then there's nothing to be said. It's clear. Everything that happened, all the questions, the difficulties, the pain, the sorrow. Right now, it's just pain and sorrow. But there'll be a time where we'll get it. Which is why, by the way, this is why when we suffer loss now, what bracha do we make? Baruch Dayan Emes. We say, blessed is the true judge. When good things happen, we say a tova Ah, uh, don't we believe that everything Hashem does is? Yeah, sure, we believe that. But in reality, the world we're living in right now is pain and suffering. Right now is tragedy. Right now is a sad time. Chazal didn't tell us to make a bracha of good things, even though we believe we will understand one day. But right now, we don't make that. We don't make a tova hametiv at a levaya. We make a bracha. This is a sad... Okay, I believe this is good, but I'm crying. And therefore, that's the brach I make right now. If there'll be a day... <laughs> there'll be a day when his name will be one. And will He will be one and name will say the name the way it's pronounced. When we can say the name, we can pronounce that name, there'll be clarity. But that's... That's then, right now, not. Okay, all of this to say... Hashem says all of this to Moshe. You, Moshe, are questioning me. You, Moshe, are saying, why'd you send me? It's not any better. It's worse since I showed up. And I came in your name. And Hashem says to him, (laughs) now you'll see. First he speaks to him harshly. And he says, "My My name, Hashem, has not been revealed to the Avos, to Avram, to Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which, by the way, Rashi also quotes, Hashem references them, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to say, it's like a little biting criticism. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they never lived to see this, but they never complained. They never spoke to me this way. They didn't see children as numerous as the stars. They didn't see children numerous as the sand or the dust. They didn't see the land in their children's possession. They didn't see it. But you know what? I never heard from them like this. So Hashem says, I I appeared to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov as also Chazal seeing that is a, a veiled rebuke to Moshe that you're speaking to me like that. But now you're going to see this name, this name of Ushmi Hashem, which was not previously revealed. Now it's going to be revealed as that whole picture, all the servitude of Mitzrayim will come and make things a little bit uh, clearer. Okay, before we go forward in the Pesukim, I want to share with you a piece from Salavechik, Rav Yosef Ver Rav, Rav, who takes this theme and does uh, a magnificent... Uh, uh, just shares a magnificent book, based on a medrash. And he's giving his interpretation of the medrash. The medrash points out that there were actually two figures in, in biblical history who have sort of this issue of things of the future versus the present tense and a mixing up of these two. Number one is going to be Moshe, we're going to get back to it, but the, the medrash brings some Shlomo HaMelech. Shlomo HaMelech, the wisest of all men, um, gets married, and in violation of a specific pasuk in the Torah, not only has one wife, not only two wives, but he ends up marrying many, 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 many wives. Now, why was it such a problem? Because the Torah actually has various psukim dictating the specific laws that of, of a king, and one of them is lo belo susim. You can't have too many horses. Lo yarbelo chesaf. he can't have too much money and, <laughs> can't have too many wives, and the Pesach says, <laughs> so that they will not turn his heart astray. Shlomo HaMelech reads the Pesach, and the Pesach says he cannot have too many wives in order that they not turn his heart astray, and he said, me, I don't have to worry. I am as strong as can be. I do not have to worry that I'll be misled by idolatry or anything else. And therefore, since he says, since the Torah gave us the reason why we can't have too many wives, and I'm not concerned about that reason, I can have many wives. And of course, the Navi tells us what happened at the end of his life as he got older. They indeed led his heart astray. The Gemara uses this as an example of why is it that the Torah so rarely tells us a reason for a mitzvah. Out of the 613 mitzvahs, there's a tiny handful Three, four, that the Torah alludes to a reason why we do this or do that. Almost all of them, even though we have reasons, but the reasons suggested by, you know, medieval rabbis are like suggestions. We don't really know why they are. And the Gemara says, you know why the Torah doesn't tell us why? Because all Jews think that they're a Chacham like Shlomo. You ever met a Jew who doesn't think he's as wise as Shlomo HaMelech? Everybody thinks we're as wise. And if not us, for sure, our, our, our children are as wise as Shlomo HaMelech, for sure. So Shalom Amal of the Gemara says, the wisest of all men saw there was a reason and said, I don't have to worry about that reason. So if the Torah would have told us the reasons for everything, we also would have lots of reasons to say, it. this one I don't have to worry about, it. this one I've taken care of. So the Torah leaves it a blank and says, I'm not telling you, just do. You do this and you do that. We'll come up with nice philosophical reasons as to what we gain and why. But those are just philosophical reasons. The real reason is Hashem told us and that's what we do because of this. The Medrash says as follows: The Medrash says when Shlomo Amelach at the end of his life was led astray, the letter Yud came to complain before Hashem and said that it says Lo Yarbe Lo Noshim. He should not increase, but the letter Yud makes it what tense? Mm-hmm. To a future tense. The king should not increase the amount of his wives. Shlomo said. I don't have to worry. And he failed. And so the letter Yud came to complain to Hashem and said, now that Shlomo violated this, who knows what's going to come? Maybe other things will be violated. I don't know. And the letter Yud has a whole big complaint. Hashem says, don't worry. And, and the Medjush goes on where the letter Yud appears in various Sarai to Sarai and various other places. The Rav asks the question when a Medjush says the letter Yud came to complain. You know, letters, letters don't actually have feelings. Letters aren't... You know, they're inanimate. What, is, what does it mean? What's the Medrash trying to convey that the letter Yud came to complain to Hashem? So the Rav said, what did that letter Yud do to the word in the Pasuk? He should not increase. In which tense? Future. The future tense. So the Rav says, the Medrash is saying such a beautiful thing. The Torah is saying, I know right now, whoever's reading this Pasuk thinks, I got this. I don't have to worry. I'm fine. I'm strong. I know, but the letter Yud says you don't know what's going to be in the future. You don't know that as you age, Shlomo HaMalach, maybe some of your sharpness will be dulled a little bit. Maybe your strength will weaken a little bit. And now you're fine. Now you don't have to worry. You could have as many women in the world. I don't have any concern. But there's a yud in front of that word when it says lo yar ben, not to increase, because that yud signifies you don't know what's coming. And maybe now, 18, 28, 100 wives is fine, 1,000. But in five years, in 10 years, it's going to cause you problems. And so it was the yud that came to complain and say, Shlomo HaMelech was living in the present and he didn't see what's going to be. The Medrash then says there was another similar complaint against Moshe, when Moshe complains that what we just read. When Moshe comes to Hashem and says, "Why did you send me? Since I've shown up, it's only been worse." And Hashem says, "Oh, now you'll see." And what name does Hashem say you're going to see me with? The Shem Hashem, with the Yud and the Hey, the Vav and the Hey, not the name of Kel Shekai, which I appeared to Moshe to the Avos in the past. Not the name that I appear to you now. You're going to see the name that represents Hayaho Ve, yeah. with that same you the Medrash connects. And the Rav understands what the Medrash is saying is you, Moshe, are making that same mistake. What, what's leading Moshe to complain? Why? What, what's he saying, Tasha? Am he saying, I'm right here, right now. You sent me to redeem the people, and it's not happening living in the present in the same way that Shlomo HaMelech said, I'm good now. I know you're good now, but guess what happens? The Navi. then, we only read a few more psukim. A couple of years pass, and we see what happens later. So the Yud comes to complain and say, Hashem, he, only li- he, he was living in his sliver, but you know, you, you got you to see big. Moshe, the Medrash, as the Rav understands it, is saying the same issue of, what's going on? This isn't is working. Hashem says, I know, I know. You're going to see my name of Hashem with the Yud and the He and the Vav and the hey. HaYov and the yeah. You can't just live in the present. We live in the present, but a Jew always, always sees there's a future that I don't know about. There's a future that I don't see. The present doesn't always look the way that I expected it to or that I wanted it to or that I, I needed to. But that doesn't mean it is, it just means it is now. But the name of Hashem, which has not yet been revealed to the world, is HaYehoveh And you see the same complaint that Hashem has against Moshe is the same against Shlomo of being uh, focused only on what's in front. The Medrash actually says that Hashem wanted to be pogeya. the Malachim wanted to attack Moshe for this complaint, this harsh Language that Moshe uses is almost inappropriate. Like, why did you send me? Except, except, says, uh, the Midas Hadin, the, the attribute of justice wanted to be to harm Moshe, except, Why did Moshe speak so harshly? What gave him the audacity to say this? He saw the pain. He saw the pain that Kalal Yisrael was in. And that's what pushed Moshe. It wasn't just that he didn't believe or think that it was going to happen. He saw the pain of the people and he says to Hashem, I can't take it. So Hashem says, you really are not allowed to talk this way. Because the Jew has to see, this is the present tense. We're, we're going. Just hang on. But I, I won't, I'll let you get away with it because I know what's driving your speech is that you're pained by the pain of, uh, of the people. Hashem gives let's continue the speech and then we just have to conclude with one last thought. So what does Hashem say? Back to our uh, back to our psychim Gamanis um brisi. Hakimosi Tom, I'm gonna to fulfill my my priest, my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan that they're gonna dwell in. And I heard the Naakas b'nei Israel. I heard the cries of b'nei Israel from the difficult labor that they've scored es Brisi. By the way, um we, the 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 Svarim Antfila all point out that Hashem uses this language, we find this language several times in our story, that Hashem heard the cries of the Jewish people. Even though, even though there was a promise that He made to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and that He's affirming here, I promised I was going to take them out, I will redeem them, I'm a Nehman, I use the name of Hashem, you can trust me. What really brought it all out? It was the tefillah, the cries of the Jewish people that, that there's a... There's a a relationship between the promise of Hashem to do things for us and the tefillah, sometimes in, embodied in actual tears and in cries that go together. As we see, for example, when Yitzchak and Rifa don't have any children, what the Torah says very clearly, Vaye et tar Yitzchak, Yitzchak davins. <laughs> and Hashem heard their tefillah. What do they need to daven for? Hashem promised Avram that he was going to have children as numerous he promised Yitzchak. It's coming, he promised, it's true, he promised. But even things that are promised, Still require this relationship with uh, Tefillah as well. Anyways, moving forward. So, Passover So Tell the Jewish people, tell them this language, Ani Hashem. Use that name of me. That's the name that you have to use to, uh, to explain that I'm coming. I'm going to take them out of this servitude of Mitzrayim. That's language number one of our four cups. I will save them. I'll redeem them. Language number three. I'll take them for me to be a nation. I'll be for them may god. You'll know that I'm the one who took you out. And I'll bring you to the land. Pesach time we'll have to talk about what happened to this fifth language. Hashem uses four languages of I'll take them out. And then he says, and I'll bring them to the land. But we only drink four cups and not this fifth. Um, about being brought to the land. That's a, a topic for another time. In any case, a beautiful speech. I know we ran through this, but this speech on its own has all of these components the name of Hashem, the promise I made to Avram Yitzhak, and Yaakov. I'm going to take them out using four different languages. I'm going to bring them to the land that I promised them. This should be the speech that the Jewish people have been waiting to hear. This is the, the words that the soothing words of comfort, of redemption. And Vayidaber Moshe Kenel B'nei Yisrael. Postal test, top of page 320. And Moshe says them over to the people. And we'll just conclude with this phrase, which needs it's a, a drasha unto itself. V'lo el Moshe. But the people do not listen to Moshe. Mi ruach u'me kosha. From their literal shortness of breath and their hard work. So the people had gotten to the point from Moshe's original arrival, in which they were excited, they bow down, they're excited, redemption is coming. Moshe goes to Pyro and things get worse. They get so bad, they complain. They get so bad that Moshe complains. They get so bad that when Hashem says to Moshe, now is time. Go tell the people that now it's gonna happen. And they can't even hear the words. They do not listen to Moshe. We're familiar with this possibly, but it requires just attention every year that sometimes we're in such dire straits, it's so black around us, it's so deep, the pain and the hurt, that literally salvation is in front of our noses and there's someone saying, I have a way out. You can't hear it. Moshe Rabenu comes with a message of salvation and the people cannot hear this message, which we conclude with because this was the entire theme of what we spoke about. What's the complaint? that Hashem has to Moshe and to Shlomo, you're, you're in the present. You're living in the present, and I'm not. I am Hayahove. Hoveh You have to know what was and what is, but also what will be. You have to see where we're going. You have to see the big picture. And if you're only in the present, so you have complaints. But that's not it, Moshe, you have to, you have to wait it out. Shlomo Melch, I know now you're good, but you don't know what's happening. And then this Parsha, with this message, literally concludes with, when Moshe conveys that message to the people of, it's big picture, it's Yod a and Hey and Avav and Hey. it's Hayah, he's Naman. he's trustworthy to pay up, he's gonna reward you, he's gonna fulfill his promises. And where are the people? They're so in the presence, they're so pained, they're so broken, they're so short of breath, they can't hear the very message they need to hear of it's, it's, it's big, it's, it's going, but this is the reality. They're here. They're here now in the presence, and they can't get out from the shortness of breath, from this difficulty of labor, they cannot get out to hear even this message of keep. Just wait, wait to the end, you have to see the big picture. This is reality. reality, all these are inside, these are in our own personal lives all the time, that sometimes it's so hard to be able to see that big picture, because we're so stuck in, in the kotze ruach, and the yahudah kosho, the shortness of breath, but that's the message. Ani Hashem, now you don't see But by Yom there'll be a time, both in our personal lives in the future, like weeks and months and years later, and in the end of days, in which things will become clear, um, each in its appropriate place, to be able to see that. But that is the message of the beginning of our parsha, uh, as beautifully expressed by the Rav and, um, and in the morale. Okay, next week we'll, we'll continue.